Welcome, everybody, to the Preacher Study. Kevin Clark and I are together today, as uh, we have been, and uh, we're going to continue to study from, from the Scriptures, and we appreciate everybody who, who's joining us mm -hmm. and who has expressed words of support to us, encouragement to us. Right. We get uh, we get a good bit of that all along, and yeah. uh, it is encouraging. Yeah, you, you never get too much encouragement, from you, Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> and so we really yeah. appreciate yeah. those things, those statements, and it helps us a, a great deal. Right. Uh, we're back with you. We've had a couple of glitches as we kind of anticipated <laughs> trying something new. You're uh -huh. going to run into a hiccup every now and then. Uh, we had some uh, recording issues one time, mm -hmm. and then we had some scheduling, scheduling issues. issues. Yeah. We got four people involved mm -hmm. in, in the, the recording, and so getting all those schedules to mesh sometimes can be a challenge. And so uh, we ran into a little bit of that last week. But we're back together, and we are uh, uh, going to... Uh, turn to the scriptures here in just a minute, and we're glad for everybody who's out there and listening and participating with us, and we hope that it's beneficial to you. Yep. Kevin, any, any words of introduction? Uh, just glad to be here and be able to do this again with you. Uh, this is a new initiative uh, for us, and I've really enjoyed it so far, and you know, we're learning, and uh, be patient with us if we don't get the format down exactly right, but I feel yeah. a lot more comfortable now than I did the first time, and I suspect that will continue to grow as we develop uh, further into this book and, and beyond. Right. So we're in Ephesians chapter 1. We're taking our discussion from the book of Ephesians, just kind of working through the book. And we got to the end of the first chapter mm -hmm. where Paul is uh, expressing his prayer on behalf of the Ephesians. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you'll know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, of the inheritance, his inheritance in the saints, and the surpassing greatness of his power. I want you to know or experience, uh, become aware of the surpassing greatness of God's power. He shows that power, as mm -hmm. he says in Ephesians 1, in the resurrection of Christ. Right. We talked about that a little bit last time we were together. Yes. But in connection with that also, his power is seen in that he seated Christ mm -hmm. at his right hand in mm -hmm. the heavenly places. And so mm -hmm. those two things mm -hmm. go together. He raised him from the dead, right. and he seated him at his right hand. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. What does it mean that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God? And so let's just read through the, this, mm -hmm. this verse. Um, he's sitting at the right hand of God in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The right hand is the position of authority and power and influence. This, this statement is drawn from the 110th Psalm. So if you go back there to 110th Psalm, the Psalm begins, you know, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until... Uh, I make your enemies the footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion. And so sitting at the right hand of God involves this, the ruler's scepter. This is a position of rule and dominion and authority. And so that's the idea that, that uh, the Father has raised Christ to a position of ultimate authority, sitting at God's right hand. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus, as he's before Pilate, he combines this statement uh, with uh, a statement from Daniel chapter 7. 
he tells Pilate, you, you've, said it, you've said it yourself. Are you the Christ, the Son of God? You've said it yourself. Nevertheless, I'll tell you, hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power, coming on the clouds of heaven. Remember Daniel 7, one likened to a Son of Man came to the Ancient of Days to receive a kingdom and dominion and power and so forth. And so to sit at God's right hand is to exercise dominion and power and authority over God's kingdom. And so he's, we would say, co-regent with the king, the place of highest authority. And so Christ's work of redemption is done. And now he's ascended into heaven where he sits at God's right hand, ruling over his kingdom. Amen. Yeah, I couldn't help but think about some statements that Paul made in talking about Jesus and the exaltation of him from a lowly position of subservience that he himself adopted to a place of high honor. You look at Philippians chapter 2, and let's begin in verse 5. Let his mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So your point about him being an humble servant, but being exalted by God to this position of great influence, or the right hand of God, one that's over all authority, every name, every uh, principality uh, out there is pretty impressive. Right, and so notice how inclusive the statement is. Verse 21 of Ephesians mm -hmm. chapter 1, far above mm -hmm. all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that's named. Not only this world, but right. the one to come. Yeah. All far, Not just above, mm -hmm. far above mm -hmm. all rule and authority. And I, like, I appreciate you reading Philippians chapter 2 because it really kind of gets to the crux of mm -hmm. the matter. Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're saying. That's, right. that's what yeah. Paul is saying. When he's saying that Jesus is at God's right hand, he's saying that Jesus is Lord. Right. And Philippians chapter 2 brings, brings that out very mm -hmm. clearly. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord mm -hmm. to the glory of the Father. That's right. And that's what we, we must confess. That's what, mm -hmm. that's what the Lord wants from us. That's what God mm -hmm. wants from us. He wants us to confess that Jesus is Lord. It's not Caesar who's Lord. Right. If you lived in Greco-Roman world, right. you know, Caesar wants you to mm -hmm. consider him your Lord. Mm -hmm. It's not Caesar is Lord. It's not Bob. Bob's not Lord of his yeah. own life. Right. Kevin's not Lord. Mm -hmm. Jesus is Lord. Far above all rule and a power and authority and so forth. Another good passage, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Mm -hmm. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, mm -hmm. and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, all things are in subjection under his feet. Ephesians tells us, notice again, the inclusive character of that statement, all things are in subjection under his feet. So what are the implications of that, uh, Kevin? If I were to confess mm -hmm. Jesus is Lord, mm -hmm. what what would you tell me that, okay, now if you if you Acknowledge that. Here right. are some things that follow. Right. Well, if you're going to confess that he's Lord, then you're going to have to do what he says. And that's first and foremost, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus makes that point because a lot of religious people will acknowledge uh, Jesus as Lord in terms of giving him lip service. But the Lord demands that you go further than that. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. 
but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So the Lord right here draws a connection. He says, if you're going to recognize me as Lord, you're going to have to do the things that I say. If you don't do the things I say, it doesn't matter how many times you profess me to be Lord, you're not living it. You basically have to subordinate your will to that of mine in all things, in everything. That's right. So Luke 6 and verse uh, uh, 46, a Mm -hmm. a companion passage. Mm -hmm. Jesus asked the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? So, you know, that's that's inconsistent, isn't it? To consider him Lord and yet not do what he says. What if I were to do most of what Jesus Mm -hmm. said? Would he would he be Lord? No, not and really I when that's the case, I'm putting myself in the position of you know, deciding which commands that's to right, obey, that's right. which ones not to obey. So yeah. I'm really exercising authority over those decisions as if I were Lord. That's right. Now, if Jesus is truly Lord, Amen. Well, then we're to obey in all things. Absolutely. And so my question for everybody today is, you know, who, who is Lord of your life? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who is the Lord of your life? I mean, is it is it is it Christ? Is it you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> today, who's going to be the Lord mm-hmm. of your life today? And so who's going to have authority over your life and give you direction how to go and so forth? And so we all have to wrestle with that. That's right. And we, as you said a moment ago, we all must subordinate our own Mm -hmm. will Mm -hmm. to his will Mm -hmm. and do his will in the earth. And then notice in Ephesians 1, verses, the last couple of verses there, he put all things in subjection under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church. And so... Whatever regards the church, well, that's under the authority of Christ. So where would we find that? You know, how would Christ administer his authority in the church? It's going to be through the word of God. That's that, through, through his word. Well, you mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And so if no. Christ exercises authority <laughs> over the church, we're just going to appeal to the words of Jesus? Mm-mm, no, can't no. do that because the very okay. words of Jesus say that only rely upon Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would be incomplete. Uh, turn over to Matthew, I mean, John chapter 16, let's begin with verse 12. And for those that are inclined to put much stock in this, this is in red letters, no less, in the New King James <laughs> okay. Version. Verse 12, he says, I, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you unto all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. For whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So if you were to rely upon just the Gospels, Jesus himself says, you can't rely just upon what I've said because he told his disciples, I'm not telling you everything right now. Yeah. There's more information to come. But here's what I think is very interesting. He says that more information is going to come by the agency of the Spirit. And then he says, you know where the Spirit gets that? He gets it for me. He's going to take of what is mine and declare it to you. And so when we see things like the Apostle Paul writing things by the Spirit, the things that Paul says about uh, the home, about the family, about the church, those are things that ultimately are the doctrine and the sayings of Jesus because he said the Spirit's going to take of what is mine and declare it to you. Matthew 18 and verse 18, Mm -hmm. Jesus tells the apostles, whatever you bind on earth Mm -hmm. shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Of course, the idea is that they are binding and loosing mm-hmm. as God That's has right. bound and loosed. So right. that, 
shows that the authority to mm-hmm. to bind and loose, to require people to do things, mm-hmm. or to free people from mm-hmm. doing things, that lies with the apostles. Absolutely. And so the idea that uh, you know the apostles are just kind of giving their opinion and they call, <laughs> you know uh, exercising their judgment, and really we just need to appeal to Christ. Now that that's not supported by by Scripture. In fact. Another good illustration or a good passage to illustrate the point I, that I, I think is a powerful uh, passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, yep. verse 36. <laughs> if anyone thinks yeah. he's a prophet or yeah. spiritual, let him recognize the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandments. That's it. There Christ, you go. Christ is the Lord. That's right. Paul's very plain with that. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm telling you is the Lord's commandment. Mm-hmm. And so all of that really goes back to the authority of Christ. Who, who is Lord of your life? Right. It, it should be Christ. And uh, we, the test, of course, is if we're obedient to him in all things. Right. He's head over the church. Mm-hmm. And so as we work within the church, uh, then we want to appeal to the words of Scripture mm-hmm. to give us guidance in all that we do, all that we practice, all that we teach. And so that's kind of the question for today. Who's, who is the Lord of your life? And we have, to, we have a decision to make. Amen. And we hope that you'll decide that, Jesus is Lord. That'll save you. That'll save you. Uh, Otherwise, there's no hope. There's no hope outside of Christ. Amen. Well, our time's out. We appreciate everyone uh, joining us today. And we're going to ask Kevin to lead us in a closing prayer this today. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for uh, life and strength and all things. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for blessing us with this opportunity to look at your word and to understand your will for us. We're so in awe of the majesty that you have afforded Jesus and exalting him to your right hand. And we have the obligation based on that to acknowledge him as the Lord and to practically live out that lordship in our lives, giving uh, credence not to ourselves and our desires and what we want to do or other men want us to do, but ultimately every facet of our life brought under subjection to the will of our Lord's we find in the inspired word of God. We're so very thankful that you have given us that guidance. So very thankful you've given us access to that. And thank you for exalting him. Uh, He is a great example for us and the humility that he showed in coming to this earth and doing your will. And we also have an obligation to humble ourselves and and we can expect to be exalted, obviously not to the position of number two uh, as the right hand of of you, but uh, certainly to a, a greater existence than we have now. We look forward to that. Please continue to bless us in this Bible study. Please bless the hearers of the study that they may take the Word and apply it to their everyday lives. They may think on it, meditate on it, dwell upon it, and study even further. This is a a small shot in the arm, but there's so much more that we can glean from your will, and we hope that we have opened up the doors of people's understanding to more truths from your Word. We ask you to continue to be with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.